It's quite amazing. Ask not what your voice can do for you. Welcome to the Haas Boys. My name is Max. I'm your host for today, and I got Mike sitting across from me. What's up? Let's just kick it off playing taglines. Somewhat nervous. Some old car movies. Okay. No Fast and Furiouses. Okay. No Ford v. Ferrari. Okay. That's too easy. Too recent. Too recent. But we're going to start pretty easy. Okay. We're going to go pretty hard. Okay. And you, These are the taglines of a movie. You have to tell me what movie it is. Okay. It's pretty easy right off the bat. Ready? Yes. And it's a play on... A name. Play on name. That's the only hit you'll get for the rest of the game. Okay. (laughs) Cruise like thunder. Okay. That would be Days of Thunder. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Mellow Yellow. Cold Trickle. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. Cruise like thunder. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie, too. It is a better movie than people give it credit. No, I watched it this year. And I thought, this holds up really well. And it's a stacked cast. It is. This Duvall. Robert Duvall, Tom Cruise, Randy Quaid. John C. Riley, I think, Uncle, is in it. Cousin Eddie or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> John C. Riley is in it. He's the pit crew guy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Crazy. So, stacked cast. Nicole Kidman. It, yeah. Was also his wife at the time. Yeah, it's seriously. You should watch it if you haven't. It's, great movie. It's great. If you and this is also helping us because we are raceless right now in this weird break. We are in a very long holding pattern. So if you need that fix for racing, try some of these movies. Try the cruise like thunder. Try this movie on Days the side, Mike. Tagline. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slap bang 1,800 mile road chase that jams all 40 channels with laughs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I watched this this week and it's amazing still. Okay. It, no, this is a good one. 18,000 miles of laps? 1,800 miles. Oh, okay. It's a slap bang 1,800 mile road chase that jams all 40 channels with laughs. I tried, to, I tried to do it in a good accent. It's Smokey and the Bandit? It is! Yeah. <laughs> good job. There we go. I watched that movie this week. 10-4, good buddy. It's so good. It's so good. I, I, my thing that makes me laugh a lot in movies is when someone can insult someone really well that's not like swearing. Right. And Jackie Gleason has this like amazing 70s way of insulting people <laughs> yeah. that kills me. <laughs> That's true. That's, um, a, that's a very high quality trait. Yeah, I won't say any of them, but like watch it. And yeah, watch I'll it. have to recap for just that purpose. And I think they went through three Trans Ams filming that movie. At least. Yeah. At that least. card doesn't hold up well. No. <laughs> it's a, a T-top Trans Am. <laughs> Don't say that about Smokey the Bandit. Okay, let me say. Okay, okay. I know what this This is. It's getting harder now. Okay. A story of heroes. That is very vague. But the other tagline for the movie was just such a giveaway. Yeah. A story of heroes. Was it can I can I phone a friend on the or could I have a lifeline? What uh, what period was the movie made in? I would say I just watched this recently too. And and I want to say it's late sixties or early seventies. Le Mans? Le Mans. Good job. Yeah. Good job. This is a good movie. It is. It's a very raw race movie. It is. I feel like most footage in it are is, is actual race from Le Mans. It is. Well, and, and for those of you who haven't ever watched the movie, watch the movie, but then follow it up with watching the documentary about the movie because mm. it is equally as interesting and uh, outlines a lot of what they had to go through mm-hmm. to get some of that footage, but a lot of those drivers, they hung out for weeks following the race and stuff to 
keep racing their cars for the footage. That's and, cool. But they ran a lot of the, the actual race for the movie. It's fun to see Steve McQueen in that. And and I, I went into it thinking, it's going to be like Ford v. Ferrari. There's going to be lots of story ahead of time, lots of before drama. the race, lots of drama after the race. No, it literally starts the week of the race, them setting up the race, and the whole movie's just the 24 hours of Le Mans. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's different than what you'd think. Well, and when you think about it, I actually kind of like that idea. Mm-hmm. Life happens in that small of a window. Exactly. <laughs> not not so much in the, uh, let's, it's, it's, it's over three it's, years It's like a documentary that they made that they're like, hey, while we're filming this documentary, can we just have Steve McQueen <laughs> be a character? Just, just be And we'll Steve kind of McQueen. throw him in now and then. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And it made a really good movie. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Getting right. a little bit harder. Moving on. <clears throat> Ice cold. Hot wired. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. This one isn't a racing movie, but it's full on car movie. Okay. I yeah. Gone in sixty seconds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Dude. Uh, it's about Nick Cage. <laughs> Ice cold. This is another This is another movie that's actually just a documentary of Nick Cage's life. <laughs> Just, they're like, can we follow you for a week? He's like, sure, but I'll be, I'll be stealing some cars. I'll we're, be living in Long Beach and stealing we're bo- cars. We're boosting cars this weekend. You can come film us, though. <laughs> we use this black light for the... Anyways, just you can film it. Dude, but the Shelby chase. That's oh, yeah. a fun car chase at the I, end of the movie. I feel like Eleanor yeah. has long yes. since uh, influenced car culture in a heavy mm. way. As a one of the first resto mods to really catch mm. the eye of people who always wanted like a '60s car, but then they were like, "Nah, but it's old or whatever." Yeah, it really modernized that feeling. It was a big deal for me as a kid. Quick question: <laughs> uh, We're taking too long on this. No, it's but, so good. <laughs> whenever you're watching a movie and there's a really nice car in it and they smash it, do you just get hurt inside? It depends. There's there's one that kills me. It's in the new. Goosebumps movie. Okay. And Jack Black drives the R.L. Stein character, drives this really classic Cherokee, like wood paneled wagoneer. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just gets smashed by a monster, and my heart ached. <laughs> Jack Black does good. He's like, it had such low miles. And I was like, at least the character knew. <laughs> like he's relating <laughs> to us car people. I know. Yeah. That's so funny, actually. No, I, I definitely feel that way. I, I, the good news for me, at least, is I feel like most of them are fake. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually am like I can see through it. Yeah, but uh, in there's the, cases the risky where there's business no- one where the Porsche goes off the dock. Yeah, that was probably oh, yeah. real because that's that yeah. time period where they were like, "Nah, it's worth it." They're, like, they're making new of these. Yeah, Porsches in the water. It's fine. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Okay, here's the last one. Okay, and the hint will be how I say it. Okay, because it, I don't know how it it kind of matched the tone of I guess the movie. Okay, he's back. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> So there's your clue. You already know it's not the first in the series. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and you know it's not a. It's worst. not like a serious race movie. Yeah. Okay. He's back. I, I don't know if it's that. <laughs> He's back. Okay. He's back. <laughs> Rather oh my gosh. He's back. Yeah. No, that's. That's like John Wick. Yeah, that's too. That's too intense. He's back. (laughs) He's back, and he's and they're talking about the car. Okay, so uh, Herbie fully loaded. You shut up. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) 
How did you get every one? I got all of them, didn't I? got all of them. (laughs) I was like, he's back. He won't get that. Ice Cold Hot Wired or Story of Heroes? So vague. So vague. This is why you're the master. (laughs) Oh, Herbie. Was it fully loaded and everything? Herbie fully loaded. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. The newest one. Yeah, that one is really bad. (laughs) It's a really bad movie. I will advocate for the original Love Bug movie all day because I do really love that movie. Yeah. But uh, fully loaded is Lindsay Lohan not. just didn't carry the franchise. No, she didn't. <laughs> She's not a car person. Well, thanks for playing taglines. Yeah. And hopefully we give you some ideas if you need to watch a car movie this week yeah. to feel that racing vibe in your life that's yeah. missing. Because the next race is Baku. It's not this week. It's next weekend. So still two weeks away. And we'll go ahead and just print this in cement and just put it into the history books that this these are the these are the movies that Max is recommending that you watch. In order from <laughs> least to best. <laughs> and so we'll cement that into we the books We do know here. Herbie Fully Loaded is yeah. the best car movie ever made. <laughs> and next week, I will put together my list of movies. And I have to guess the taglines? Uh, yeah, why not? Okay, well, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. And this will be really Those hard. will be the car movies that it's I suggest. It's going to be like fast, just all the Fast Furious movies, and they're all going to have similar taglines. Tuna, no this crust. This time the family is fast. <laughs> This time, the cars are family. This time, there's gravity and family. Family, family, family. (laughs) All while shifting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyways, next week. Okay. Tune in. Well, this episode, we're going to talk about some news. Yeah. Then we're going to dive into some things that we're seeing at Mercedes that kind of tie into things that we're now seeing at Red Bull, we think is topical for now, because there might be some little things happening at Mercedes. And then we're going to talk about some of history's fastest F1 cars, yeah, which we're stoked about. A little history lesson. And so we're going to dive right in. First off with news. Yes. Roman Grosjean. Secundo. And w- where at? Was <laughs> Long, it Long Beach, Beach Grand Prix. Yeah, it was pretty crazy to watch. And honestly, I thought he had it in the closing laps, but it was big news to at least get that close to a win. Mm. I know that this is, I think it's his like fourth or fifth second place. He's... He's not bad. Really yeah. been knocking on the door of a Good. win for a yeah, while. Yeah, he got a second. Oh, no, he crashed out in St. Petersburg. Yes, yes. So he- <laughs> He was close. <laughs> Which last year, when he posted he was in St. Petersburg, everyone thought he was in, in Russia, Russia during the invasion. <laughs> and he's like, but, no, Florida. <laughs> Florida. IndyCar race. Right. Actually, a really strong race between Kirkwood and Grosjean in the final laps. Mm-hmm. Grosjean has 152 seconds of push to pass, which is essentially the DRS kind of effect that IndyCar has. What do you mean 152 seconds? So instead of having like a DRS zone and some of the things that like F1 uses for like the open flap and all that, Uh IndyCar uses a thing called push to pass, which is extra horsepower advantage. And you start the race with 200 seconds of it. Oh. And you can ride the button for 20 seconds. Oh. at, At a time. And then the break period in between is what? You just, you, so, and then like usually there's corners, right? So yeah. if you've got a 20 second straightaway, I'd be amazed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like for the most part, what you're doing is you just 20 seconds spurt and then try to catch the person that you're trying to pass or whatever, and then go for the pass and have the button wide open. So that way you get the That's a fascinating a- like aspect of that. Yeah. So it's a really cool feature that IndyCar uses. Whole different strategy. Yeah. And but what's cool about it is that like DRS is available if you're within one second, all mm-hmm. of the rules in F1. But w- in Grosjean's case, he he was like rolling up into the club with like fat bank account, like I'm 
drinks on me. He had 152 seconds with freaking less than 10 laps to go in the race. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and you know, and I'd then, only used 50 seconds of it throughout the race. Yeah. And so he had a really, and he was in second place. So I really thought he was going to close in on Kirkland yeah, and take happened? it from him. And I know he was using it, but truth be told, I kind of think that because they're teammates, I think he was just found himself in a supporting role. Uh, like, I'm not going to pass the new guy on the team. I don't think I'm going to ruin his race and take mm-hmm. my first win. Let's let him have this one. It'll come back my way kind of thing. That was at least the impression that I got because okay. it didn't seem like he was pushing him too hard. Yeah. But uh, definitely still a really good race. Great cool. result for Team Andretti, who's kind of not succeeded quite in that capacity in the last few races of this year so far. Interesting. So, it's a big result. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that that's how the drive to push to pass worked. Oh, yeah, that's rad. The good, cool feature. Good for Rojan Grosjean. <laughs> um, is that it for news? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Uh, otherwise, it could be like, you oh, you know, the, the, we had a, a paper sh- new paper shredder for the office at Haas headquarters. Yeah, Gunter emailed us yeah he's, if you follow his uh like finstagram you know his off <laughs> yeah. off instagram profile he posted a lot about the new fax machine yeah, he's like, and really then the new shredder yeah he's like as soon as when gene give me the call i just let it print directly it's into the shredder very arnold Schwarzenegger. it's, it's yeah total <laughs> okay well then let's move on to talking about mercedes yeah roman grosjean being a supporting role kind of leads us to what we've been talking about and it starts with talking about I guess Lewis and who he wanted as a teammate when George Russell was signed. Right. Because word is that Lewis still wanted Bottas. He did. Yeah. Why would Lewis still want Bottas? And and that's going to lead us into talking about George and why George is not the best driver for Lewis. Right. Well, I mean, in my opinion, and I guess this is an interesting topic because it does seem as though that that... I mean, as far as I remember, it was pretty publicly discussed that Lewis wanted to continue to have Valtteri as a teammate for a number of reasons, but one being that he knew his teammate. He knew that his teammate could also deliver in the car that was built for Lewis mm-hmm. and helping them get constructors' champion, championships, helping them defend in race wins and all sorts of things. So Valtteri was a very good supporting role for Lewis. And likewise, do you remember the name of the guy who was number two for Michael Schumacher? You've told me before and I can't remember... His name was Rubens Barrichello. Aha. Uh-huh. Some people said Barrichello. It's one of those like uh, Sebastian Vettel or Vettel mm, or whatever yeah. name pronunciations that gets lost in translation. But Rubens was very well known as kind of the number two for Michael Schumacher. He mm-hmm. was a very good driver, but Michael was just that much better. Same with Valtteri. He's still a great driver. He's really shown his stuff as a leader of another team. Mm-hmm. But Lewis is obviously on another level. Mm-hmm. George and Lewis, in my opinion, I think Lewis knew that bringing in this young blood to be his teammate might create the imbalance that he had with Nico Rosberg, might create the imbalance that he had with Fernando Alonso. Because each Formula One team has two drivers. Right. And it works best for the better driver if the other driver is willing to just be the assistant like to submit to what they want out of play the car. defense when they're ahead right or to you know slow down a bit so they can catch up get a toe pass and then launch into first place like there's so many ways that this driver can support the winning driver right but the opposite of that is like you said nico rosberg other areas were like him and fernando where that clashes right and when that happens both drivers 
don't do well. They suffer. They right. suffer a lot. The team suffers. Right. And primarily the reason for that is, is that if there's a conflict in car development, this mm-hmm. is where it gets really deep. Hmm. If there's a conflict in direction of car development from your lead driver, if you don't have one, mm-hmm. then that means that you're being pulled in too many directions. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that's a big reason why McLaren was really having a hard time with Daniel and Lando is I don't think that they had the same driving style at all. Right, yeah. And I think that they were trying to facilitate Lando, but also trying to cater a car that Daniel could deliver in, but that just made the McLaren worse. Yes, yeah. And so they just never got anywhere with it. They were like, our drivers are too different. We need to make a change. And I honestly think at the root, that's what the problem was for them. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Mercedes, yeah, we seem to be having the same problem, but just so much more public in a way because it's at the front of the pack. Mm-hmm. Mercedes is known as a dominant team. They're one of the top three, usually, and right now they are, still yeah. in, the, in third at least. Yeah. But the development seems to have some conflict between George and Lewis mm-hmm. because who seems more dominant at the moment? I, I don't know. Lewis gone up second. Right. But at last year and into this year, George has performed better in the current car. That's true. George, did George win in Brazil? He did. Lewis hasn't won. He hasn't won in the new car. Yeah, that's true. My feeling is at least from, and part of what we're talking about here, and we'll actually get around to this, is the resolution, but Botas supported Lewis's direction with the Mercedes. Right. Lewis was very much the team captain. Right. The whole Mercedes team was rallied around Lewis. Right. In an inarguable fashion. Yeah. Lewis had already won two championships with Mercedes by the time Valtteri had come in to be his teammate. Mm Mm-hmm. And Nico had won one. Right. And so it was clear that he was joining a dominant team with a driver who was clearly the preferred driver. Toto also never gave Valtteri more than a one-year contract. Yeah, keep him on a very short lease. You mess with Lewis and you're gone. Yeah. His role was determined Mm -hmm. and he wasn't able to really argue it ever. Yeah. And I honestly think that that played into his psyche. And part of the reason why we see such a different Botas now uh, yeah. is such a happier guy. Yeah. He's not under that kind of stress anymore. But now when we fast forward to what Mercedes is experiencing with Lewis mm-hmm. and a George Russell, a young gun, somebody that everyone knows is, or at least is being hyped mm-hmm. to be a future world champion, is that it seems to me, at least in my perception, the car favors George and that they're sort of forcing Lewis out in a way. Right. It it kind of almost feels like that's the move. You think? Yeah. That's tough. That's tough for Lewis. It is in a way because he's got to prove that he can deliver. Which he can. And he will. Yeah, and he will. That's the thing. But he also wants another championship and he doesn't want to have to wait for it because they're not listening. Right. Yeah. So you think the better thing that Mercedes could have done to help move this process along more is just like get George to play second player Second to Lewis fiddle. yeah and then just like design that car for Lewis let him win a championship and then pass the baton yeah he's done I mean in a way I honestly think that Toto anticipated Lewis winning in 21 uh and that would have been eight championships yep sign George deals done mm-hmm. new guys coming in Lewis there's the door but you can stay yeah help facilitate the baton pass uh-huh and then as George evolves into the new number one driver, Lewis, you can bow out with grace. Mm. But and that didn't happen. Now we have this like. <laughs> I know Lewis. Yeah. And it's not over. <laughs> yeah. And so 
Uh, but it seems as though the team has rallied around Russell. Mm-hmm. And nothing even speaks clearer than that than them not showing up in Park Ferme. That's right. Yeah, no one showed up. You told me about this last mm-hmm. week, and I had to go and research it and yeah. watch it because I, I turned Weird it off not. after the race was over. I was yeah. like, that race was so wild that I needed... Oh, well, you... <laughs> It was because you and I were so tired. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, it was like two, three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't even watch it. So I had to go back and relive it. Mm-hmm. And it's just mind blowing how much Mercedes has started to show a little bit of aggression towards Lewis. I mean, a part of me is like, there's Which no way he's going it anywhere. It doesn't seem possible because right. of if if you are semi-new to the sport like I am, two, three seasons watching it, you just know that Mercedes loves Lewis. Yeah, they love him. It's it's Mercedes-Lewis team. It's That's it. Like, the Lewis-Hamilton show. Exactly. That's and, the way to put it. Yeah. To have them be like, I we're not we're not sold on the Lewis dream as much anymore. Right. Is bizarre. It just seems like what a... Like, I know F1 cars turn on a dime, but I don't feel like hearts and minds do. And so it's, <laughs> There's only so many times that you can right. get a call from Lewis about the tires being gone. <laughs> Bono's like, just like, okay. Has he retired yet? <laughs> I'm so We sick of all this. know this. <laughs> it, it's not fooling anyone, Lewis. The <laughs> tires are fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very crazy to think. But it might be happening for sure. I mean, it seems as though that we can put into a small category of a Haas boys prediction Mm -hmm. that we might be seeing the beginning of the end of Lewis and Mercedes. Do you think Lewis, I mean, other teams would love to have Lewis. They'd kill for him. And I think that that's what they're playing kind of with fire a little bit. Interesting. And so I I don't. We've thought the same thing about Daniel Ricciardo. Right. And, And he didn't go with any team. He's in reserve. Which there is some rumor but actually some interviews and things as well, that Daniel Ricardo is actually Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> Everyone didn't know. It was like a Mission I, Impossible have you, mask. Have you ever seen them in the same frame at once? Nope. No. Not in the last decade. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, but there have been unrelenting interviews for both Daniel and Gunter about the relationship and the tie between Daniel and Haas. And that Kevin Magnuson's contract is up at the end of the year and that Daniel's in the mix as somebody who's a potential replacement for Kevin. Interesting. Now, Gunter's answer to the question, because he does get asked it a lot, is if Kevin delivers, then there's no way. Mm -hmm. But we'll have to wait and see how the year plays out. And that's basically been Gunter's response to that. Nico and Daniel were teammates at Renault. It's not the most far-fetched idea that they could pick up at where they left off and be teammates again. Yeah. But also at the same time, I know how you and I feel about this. Clearly, we'd love for Kevin to stay mm-hmm. and we want to see him deliver. Right. And I think that there's so many opportunities for Daniel that it's not really that likely. But anyways, it is on his radar. Interesting. Do you think Lewis's contract is up this year, right? It is. I think Daniel would go to Mercedes. There is. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is that I would love to say that like F1 has never done anything so out of left field as to lay off an eight time world champion. But yeah, that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. And Daniel is one of those more recent cases that's so public and so current that it's fresh in the mind. Mm-hmm. Crazy things happen in F1. And it's a cutthroat world. Mm. And so I think uh, I think we can expect something crazy to happen to get Daniel back on the grid. But also there's still young talent. There's a lot of things that can happen. But this kind of, I mean, talking about George and Lewis. Right. This kind of also plays perfectly into what, so Bottas and Lewis is playing perfectly into what is happening at Red Bull right now. Right. Checo being the assistant for Max. Right. Yeah. And, and just I, laying up all the wins for Max. Totally. And here's me. I'm going to take aim 
Yeah. Directly because at Because I don't think podcasts. Chucko is the same as Bottas. <laughs> Sorry, go for it. No, I was going to say, I'm going to take aim at other podcasts. I'm going to use my finger guns. Yeah. And I'm going to say- You're going- Every single one of them keep going, this is a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's what's happening. <laughs> Red Bull doesn't want Chucko to win the championship. Right. They'll claim it all day long that they do. Uh-huh. But they have invested heavily in Max. Yeah. They gave him a fat contract. Mm-hmm. They pay him way more than they pay Checo. This is just like what happened at Mercedes too. They're like, right. oh, the drivers are free to race each other. Yeah, it's like, but it's like, mm, are they? No. Because of like Bottas abort the fastest lap. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I thought we were free to race each other. No. Beltrice, James. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's, you know. Move over. Yeah. At the end of the day, I still want Checo to just disobey orders. We would love it. Be the fastest driver and just to stick it to him. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what we all want. Mm-hmm. But- he is meant to be second fiddle. That's just how F1 works. And that would, if Checo doesn't play by the rules, do you think they would, let's say, let's say, let's say he doesn't play by the rules, he starts winning and he becomes a massive thorn in Max Verstappen's side. Right. Do they keep him at the end of the year or do they let him go? Because I, waiting in the wings is a person that will not do that. Right. He will compete against Max. Well, and on top of that, you also have reserve drivers that have, or, you know, the up-and-coming talent, Yuki Tsunoda. It's like you need to build it into their contract. Right. You will be the second driver, and you will help Max win. We've talked about it before. Right. If Checo did win, would they kick him out? I don't think so. Why? Because they would be shooting themselves in the foot. But here's the thing, is that because there's no one's going to come in to be Max's teammate and not want to beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so they have a driver right now who is being let go. I mean, let me paint the picture for you. Okay. Force paint India away. turned into racing point because Daddy Stroll needed a team uh-huh. that he could own and then give Lance the trajectory to a world championship someday, right? So he buys the bankrupt Sahara Force India, turns him into racing point with Sergio Perez and his baby boy Lance. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year... Sebastian Vettel finds himself out of a contract with Ferrari and between four-time world champion and Sergio Perez, who do you hire to bring in Aston Martin? Well, Sebastian is an obvious choice. Yeah. Sergio Perez is known as a tire whisperer at this point, Mm -hmm. but never in a Formula One race winner. Yeah, he hadn't won yet. So he let him go. And what happens? Christian Horner pulls Sergio Perez out of the middle of he nowhere. He won that race. He won one race. Exactly. With a tire strategy. Yeah. And decides, this is driver number two. Yeah. For Max. Mm-hmm. You tell me if that move was to bring in Max's new biggest competition or to be a supporting oh, role. You, that's a good point. Definitely the supporting role. It's a supporting role. You have a role. guy who can go a whole race without burning through your tires. Right. That guy can play defense while Max is just like off in the field. He's 40 seconds ahead of everyone. Yeah. And then Sergio can come alive and steal fastest lap if he wants. Exactly. But Oh, it, that's crazy. But at no point was this a Oscar Piastri steal, mm-hmm. something that they knew would be the next new talent, the yeah. thing to take on their world champion or a future world champion. They just wanted support role. Yeah. And now that we're in a position where Checo has been able to match Max at moments mm-hmm. in the most competitive car in F1, yep. they're reminding Checo that he should be grateful. <laughs> uh, there's there's no way they're not. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you can stay hey, here as long as you want. Remember how you came from a team that doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> yeah. Remember how your job was not there? What punks? Yeah. I mean, that's how it is. It's the way it works. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, 
I know what Red Bull is telling Checo. Uh, yeah. He has no business competing for the championship. Yeah, but we all want him to stick it to but it. But we know that he shouldn't listen. And honestly, I feel like Max could win it without Checo's help. That uh, car is crazy fast. Stupid fast. Yeah. You, know, you could put Pierre Gasly in there and he can screw it all up again. <laughs> Max is still <laughs> with the championship. Oh. But I, I like Pierre. He just had a rough go. So that's kind of like some views that we're seeing happening at Red Bull. Right. And then the aftermath and different changeup happening at Mercedes. Seems very like interesting. The, the era has shifted. Mm-hmm. So very interesting for sure. So shifting gears, we want to take you back for a little history lesson. A lot of conversation has been happening about Red Bull being like, they have the fastest car in the history of the world. Ever made. So we wanted to ask that question. What were the other fastest cars of Formula One? Ooh. What are they? Where did they come from? Where did they go? And where are they going after Max wins the championship? They're probably out there somewhere. <laughs> There's a museum somewhere. Oh, yeah. Our friend, our behind-the-scenes producer, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's at the He was at the Ferrari factory today. He yeah. saw some of those old, old, but like yeah. Michael Schumacher era. Totally. He Nicky sent me a, era he, Ferraris. Yeah, he sent me a picture of the last Ferrari Formula One champ the car. The old Kimi Raikkonen. The Kimi Raikkonen car from 2007. Does that one have the word Alice on it? It does on the front uh, end plate. Uh, of the I wing. saw that. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It's the last car to win it. So those cars are still out there. They're still there. And which ones were the fastest? We're going to get into that. Let's dive right on in. We're going to start with, well, so I have picked the top seven that I think are worth discussing. Yeah. Cars. But first, let's just n- mention. Oh, the freaking Mercedes constructor hybrid oh. era dominance. Oh, yeah. So, and it's in here, but the way that I've done that is just one car. Okay. So that way it's just, we'll get it out of gotcha. the way. How do you want to do this? You want to start at the bottom of the list and work our way to the most dominant car. Okay, cool, cool, cool. As far as percentages are concerned. Okay, but let's do it. That is interesting given that F1 races are now 23. Three this year? So there's 23 races in a season. Right. We're going by how many percentages of races so won? A percent in this case, well, in a, you know, it's the same, I guess, but the percent is some of these seasons only had seven races. So this is going to be great. Yeah. So keep it, keep that I'm in mind. I'm stoked for that. Yeah, there's that an asterisk mind. there. Yeah. But who cares? But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Percentages are equal. So number seven. Number seven. On the list. On the list. Williams. Williams. And one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure that Williams was on the list, because there is more than one car that belongs here, uh-huh. is that this is what they did. They made very dominant cars, and they were mm. very innovative in creating things that then regulations were made to, to, oh. to stop. So they were like boundary-pushing guys. For sure. What um years was Williams being dominant? So number seven is the FW18, which was 1996. Damon Hill was world champ. Cool. And the designer of that car was Adrian Newey. Ooh. Did he get his start at Williams? No, he got his start at Lotus. Oh. With Mario Andretti. So Adrian Newey goes so far back into Formula One history. His championship heritage. Huge. It's deep. There's a reason the guy's so good. In 1996. So 1996, they won 12 out of the 16 races. That's pretty good. It's a really dominant car. It was just very efficient aerodynamics, and it had a lot of technology to it. 
and Williams, am I getting this right? Williams, they're they're a very, I want to say small team or under-sponsored team. I don't know. Back they, in the day, they were not. They, they were They were not? They were a big team. They were a big team? Yeah. Why do I feel like they were this scrappy team pulling off parts from other things and throwing together and making hybrid Frankenstein cars? Because that's what they are now. <laughs> they weren't before. No. So oh. Williams was very dominant. And in 1992, the FW14B, which would normally have been on this list, actually shaved it. But we'll go ahead. Top yeah. eight cars. Oh, fine. We're, this list is going the wrong direction. It's going the wrong way. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> But in 1992, Nigel Mansell won the championship with the FW14. Mm -hmm. This car had traction control, ABS, semi-automatic gearbox. It was the most heavily driver-aided Formula One car ever. Wow. And it was crazy dominant, but believe it or not, the later the FW18 was more Mm -hmm. successful than the Mm -hmm. FW14. But Williams has a rich heritage of dominance. But there's some other things that kind of kept them from continuing that. Mm. And again, we've we've hyped at this in the past. So maybe we'll just go ahead and plan on it next week. Yes. We'll dive into Williams. The darkness at Williams. And we will talk about the dark side of Williams. The Balrog <laughs> that is Frank Williams. <laughs> Deep down in the depths, something yeah. has awakened. <laughs> Flame of <Vulnerable. laughs> That was Frank Williams' last word. That was his. That's how he went out. <laughs> that's how he went screaming down <laughs> yeah. into the darkness. <laughs> oh. And Claire was like, "Get down!" Yeah. And he was like, "Fly, you fools! Frank, you fools! Win one race, you fools! <laughs> Fire Lance Stroll, you fools!" So Frank was. A beast. We'll get into it. Okay. We'll dive deeper into it. Number seven, Williams. Williams had the FW18 with okay. Damon Hill. Gotcha. Number six. Yes. Red Bull's RB18 from last year. Okay. 17 of the 22 races makes Max Verstappen yep. the sixth mm-hmm. most successful, most dominant car. Percentage-wise. Percentage-wise. The Haas boys percentage-wise. Exactly. Because <laughs> 17 is the most races won in a season by a single car. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. But it's six on the list by percentage. <laughs> cool. No, I'm down because like if it was the same circumstances at a different time period, it might be the same. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So then moving on to fifth. Yeah, we don't need to talk about We don't season. need to dive we in. We all recently we watched it. witnessed it. We yeah. watched it. It was boring. So moving on to fifth. Exactly. Ferrari, the F2002, which you might be able to guess the year. Yeah. Okay. That one makes sense. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Ferrari. Yeah. That was back when they did things a little better. Yeah. It made sense. And the proof is in the pudding. 15 of 19 races. Michael Schumacher's Michael most Schumacher. dominant year. Gotcha. Uh, in Formula One. Again, not a lot to say there. Rubens Barrichello and him finished one, two, and nine out of those 19 That's races. a lot of finishes. Yeah. The old shoe bear. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like the ham bot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shoe bear. The shoe bear. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I guess it would be shoe first, right? Yeah. So, yeah, shoe bear. So, what a dominant season. Such a dominant season and uh, really good sounding cars, but not very interesting to watch when they're Were that they dominant. Were V10s? V8s? That's a good question. I think it was a V... I want to say V10. I bet that did sound a lot a lot of fun. Very ominous rumblings throughout the whole track. V10. Just screaming engines. 
It's the best sound ever, and I wish it would come back. Dang, yeah. So, all right. But again, another season of Dominance. Not a lot to talk about there. I think that this is one of the funny things is we're just going to burn through this list because some of them are so not interesting. But Yeah, and they're recent history-ish. We, all, we know right. Michael Schumacher was dominant. It's no secret that yeah. he was a seven-time world champion, right? So moving on to number four, and this is going to be really number interesting to you. four. Mercedes. Mercedes. W07. The W07. Which was 2016. 2016. That's shocker. This car won 19 out of 21 races. Oh, that's a lot. Nico Rosberg was world champion. So in Mercedes' most dominant car, uh huh. Ooh, Nico won Nico. the championship. Ooh. <laughs> I so, bet we should mail him that, and he yeah. would just lose his he mind. Would just be like, Looks like Lewis Hamilton got it handed to him. Knew it the whole time. The most successful <laughs> car also was the most handsome German. <laughs> but I, but. So that car won that those many races. It wasn't one driver. Though. It wasn't they just were, one. Like alternating a lot, right? And so Nico ended up taking the championship that year. But interesting, yeah, Pretty very nuts. dominant car. That whole era, they destroyed. And if you're thinking Red Bull is like way dominant more than the Nowhere Mercedes was, where near this, not even close. I can't even. For those of you who didn't watch those, seasons, if you want to <laughs> hear some numbers that I'm going to make up, they will shock you. <laughs> That I will make up. They're shocking numbers, and you should believe them. Every race. All of the races. Mercedes was ahead by three minutes. I was was almost that ridiculous. By the end of the season, they had 500 points. They're just dominant. Super dominant. Across the board. And so, uh, moving on from there, because we already know. We're done with this era. We're done. We're going to throw it back. 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 To 1952 and 1953. This is my favorite. This is ages ago. This is one of my favorites. And the reason that this is one of my favorites is because it's two years in a row. Back-to-back years, the Ferrari Tipo 500. Tipo. Tipo. 52 and 53 won 14 out of the 15 races. Dang. For Alberto Ascari to win his Formula One championship, he did that twice. Twice, fourteen and fourteen out of the what fifteen. What a different season that would look <laughs> yeah. like. Back to back, won fourteen out of fifteen. What was did, did he lose both of the same races in 1952? The only race that the Ferrari did not win uh-huh. is one that used to be included in the Formula One World Championship. And is no longer, but it's a race that you're really familiar with. Yes. It is Rainbow Road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they had the upside down question mark bombs and everything. It was, (laughs) and they could hop the lap and everything. But did you know that from 1950 to 1960, the Indianapolis 500 was considered a Formula One race? I didn't. That's crazy was a part of same the as calendar. It, same as it is in IndyCar. Right. Just this oval, this same race. big old square circle thing. Yep. Wow. And it was included on the calendar. And uh, and so in the first year in 52, that race was not won by uh, the Ferrari. Uh-huh. And then in 1953, it did win that race, but one Manuel Fangio won the last race of the season, uh, which took away the perfect record that the car shoot, almost he was achieved. Close. They almost he was achieved so it. Close. Yeah. <laughs> so 
That's interesting. Very dominant car. Ferrari's most dominant by far as far as percentages are concerned. Yeah. And was able to do it for not just one season, but for two seasons. That's cool. So the Tipo 500 is legendary car. Moving on to number two. We're moving up that list. That ladder is climbing. Number two. Is designed by a hometown hero. Yeah, yeah. Here in Utah, who went to University of Utah, Steve Nichols. Whoa, what, what? Designed the McLaren MP4 slash 4, which, yes, it sounds like a fax machine <laughs> in the words of Jeremy Clarkson, yeah. but is one of the most iconic race cars, formula cars, open wheel race cars ever. Okay, what is it? It is the white and red Marlboro 1988 McLaren race uh, car. Ah, cool. Very cool. Designed by a Utah guy. Yes. And Take that, Adrian Newey. Psh, what do you got now, buddy? Yeah. So where is he now? Why isn't he designing? Still lives in the UK, actually. Yeah, he should be on Haas. Yeah. <laughs> Steal him, guys. Get him on Haas. Get him. So the McLaren MP44 in 1988 yeah. won 15 out of the 16 races. It, this is crazy. Yeah. Red Bull, I'm, I'm just like comparing it to like what Red Bull has done, even though they are like very dominant. I mean, they still didn't get all but one race of the season. Right. That's crazy. And neither did Mercedes. Yeah. And so it's a it's a pretty That would be crazy to see. It'd be very boring. It'd be an insanely boring season. But I'd be, be swearing at my TV. If Max did an undefeated season, that would be insanity. Yeah. I don't think I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just give up. Red Bull's on its way though. Yeah, they are. Right now. Well, at least Sergio's won one. Yeah. So Ayrton Senna won the championship that year. Very cool. Designed by Steve Nichols, still known as one of the most dominant. Formula One. That's cars a ever. really good looking car too. It is. Just with like it's like the white so and red kind of like yep. chevron shape. Right. Holy cow, that is a very sleek, very cool car. Just such a simple design yeah. before they went too crazy with all the winglets and all those things. It's a very, very, very iconic, beautiful car. I love that. So congrats to Utah. Yeah. We Senna, you're welcome. <laughs> we rank number two on this you're list. You're welcome. Don't let you forget it ever. <laughs> so, number one. Yes. On the list. And it is... Alfa Romeo. Oh, far out. Did not one expect those words to come eight. out of your mouth. <laughs> Once again, kind of the Williams, you're tainted by the current I'm just era like, it's thing. another Ferrari or Mercedes. Uh, yeah, nope. Alfa Romeo 158 in 1950. Cool. Old. Old car. These are like the ones that look like, uh, I would say they look like submarines. Or yeah, like totally. Just big old silos with wheels on the side. Torpedoes. They're just like long, It's very chitty chitty bang bang. Yeah, totally. And believe it or not, the 158 was designed in 1938. Holy crap. So by the time that this race was run, it was 12 years old. Wow. But it also had a ton of development time. They had been racing and driving this thing for 12 years. Right on. And improving it. Mm-hmm. So it won six of the seven <laughs> right. Formula One races that year. And Giuseppe Farina uh-huh. was the first Formula One world champion. This was that So this guy. was the first year wow. of F1. And Alfa Romeo absolutely <laughs> it's just, destroyed everyone. It's just funny because I feel like they probably didn't know the sport. Everyone's like, okay, here's how to build a car. And right. some guy was just crazy far ahead. Yeah. Oh, 12 years of practice building like, this oh, car. Oh, you guys want to have a race. <laughs> Well, well, just so we've happens. been cooking up for 12 years. <laughs> just so happens. What was the race he didn't... The one race that he didn't win that year yeah. was the Indianapolis 500. Why not? 
I don't even think Do you, he entered from oh, that. See, my he could have had a perfect yeah. season. He could have had a perfect season. Was all, I guess, I'm just assuming, were all the races in Europe? Yes. That time. At that time. and Very then, small sport. I guess still six races. Right. And the Indianapolis 500 was run under a different regulation, but still was considered mm. part of the Formula One calendar. Right. And you can even, you, you know, recently Jackie Stewart was just interviewed on Beyond the Grid and he refers to the Indy 500 because he used to compete in it. Oh, it crazy. wasn't uncommon for that to happen even after it was removed from the Formula One World Championship. Oh, that's crazy. That's really fun. Yeah, so pretty wild. But because they were operated a little bit differently, some people will not categorize the Indy 500 for this time period mm. and will consider that the 158 was undefeated. undefeated. Interesting. Uh, just because it was on a different you know, regulation and yeah. all these other things. but. Considering that it was a part of the calendar, uh-huh. it seems like a technicality to weigh it that way. So yeah, to me, it's like an asterisk. Yeah, to me, it's still six out of seven races. Yeah. So really cool. That is really cool. So who bought Sauber Audi? Yes. Is it going to be Sauber Audi? Uh, yeah, Audi Sauber. Audi Sauber. Yeah, Alfa Romeo Sauber right now will be Audi Sauber, and Alfa Romeo will be gone. Correct. That's sad. They went from having the most undefeated car to not being allowed in the sport. <laughs> to being kicked in the butt and told to leave out the doggy door. Right. To to putting some stickers on a Sauber. Is that how you leave Formula One? You have to walk through the doggy door? Well, I feel like, yes, a little Is bit. there a big doggy door in Bernie Eccleston's office? Yes. And Liberty <laughs> Media still uses it. And they're like, this is still the walk of shame. We're not going to change this. And they're like... Adrian Newey could have a team. He just can't fit through the door to walk into yeah, the office. He's too tall. Ooh. <laughs> no, burn. but... So here's... <laughs> Weirdest burn his, ever. His ego's too huge to fit through the doggy door. <laughs> with all his trophies. Actually, you know what's interesting about this is I, I feel like there's probably some deep regret from Alfa Romeo right now as real estate in Formula One has become... So, so tricky and expensive that the Andretti's can't buy in. Porsche has pulled out completely of Uh their attempt to owning an F1 team for the Uh moment. And it it appears that, like, I know that Alfa Romeo has a very strong interest at remaining in F1. Yeah. Just not with Sauber. And so this is something we talked about a little while ago, but potentially that Haas could be an option for Alfa Romeo to land more as a sponsor and some factory backing. Interesting. But isn't necessarily a full owner of a team. Like we don't even need that, you know? No, we don't. We got money grand. Exactly. Real estate is now scarce in it Formula is. One. So this is a really tricky situation that Alfa Romeo has found themselves in, and Audi is the uh, basically the big benefactor of that. So pretty crazy. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, that's fun. That's a good rundown. Yeah. Alfa Romeo, almost undefeated. Almost Lots of teams undefeated. almost undefeated, but Alfa Romeo... They have a legit claim to being undefeated. They're one race away, and Ferrari was also one race away. So, Oh, yeah. and McLaren. Yeah. So there's a couple of real close calls to undefeated. So when you hear lots of people talking this year about Max and Red Bull being so dominant, this has happened in other eras for sure. Definitely. It's not, it's not unheard of. We don't think that Red Bull is the most dominant. My opinion is that the Mercedes turbo hybrid era was insanely dominant. I mean... And Lewis claiming that he's never seen a car go so fast is just more tires wearing out talk from Lewis. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors and head games. Yeah, yep, exactly. For, so that the FIA will tell them to slow down. Yeah, you guys are... It's never been a car that dominant. I'm we're Lewis. We weren't that fast. I'm Lewis. Can you change the rules so I can win? We were never that fast. Anyway... <laughs> 
I would say, yeah, Mercedes is still crazy dominant. So right. don't let it get to your head too much that Red Bull is just this one-off, once-in-a-lifetime thing. Right. Remember, Alfa Romeo was almost undefeated in 1950. Right. Yeah. And McLaren in 1988. So yeah. it's... it's and, and I think one of the things that we're seeing right now is that like in those eras, especially in the MP4, McLaren was as dominant as like Mercedes was previously in the turbo hybrid era. Uh-huh. Crazy far leads nobody's even in the same league uh-huh red bull's not that far out and i've even you know they're the head of technical for uh williams was on f1 nation and one of the things he said is he's like no i think they're catchable really it's just whether or not red bull can continue to develop and, and outrun for the rest of the year i mean this this has been a long break between races mercedes is a crazy smart team Right. And they have been known to catch up. Like last season, they right. improved that car so much. Right. I mean, the, we could see a whole different car in Baku from Mercedes. Well, and I take this statement with a grain of salt because the head of technical at Williams seems like, this. well, you're not going to be the one to catch them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so it sounds real easy coming from a guy who's not the one who's having to deal with catching Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, his uh, bar is set at. Alpha Tauri right now. Yes. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> a little bit different. I think he can catch Alpha Tauri. Yeah. So, but anyways, most dominant race cars in Formula One. That's the top seven. And that's all you're going to get from us. Yeah. Hopefully, this isn't a year where we add an eighth car to that list and it's another Red Bull. So, well, we hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Yeah, hopefully. And next week, we have some great stuff coming at you. And then uh, and then after that is the Baku race. And we'll finally have some finally racing, have to, some talk racing about. to talk Gosh, about. Gosh, you guys have to listen to some technical boring stuff. But in the meantime, feel free to go back to our last year's episodes. You have lots of fun stuff to listen to. Totally. Follow us. We all found out that we can do questions on our Spotify podcast episodes. Yeah. So we had a poll last week about... Gunter versus Otmar. So Who scores more? That. <laughs> um, but yeah, follow us, rate us really well so our podcast can do better. Share us with your friends. Send us information about your friends. Tell us about your friends. Tell us about your friends. We still have had no one do that yet. Yeah, yeah. What's their average height? <laughs> We're interested. <laughs> we want to know. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. Podcast. We're boosting cars this weekend. You can come film us, though. <laughs>